This is the American Medical Association's COVID-19 Update Podcast. This is part of an ongoing series featuring critical insights from the physicians and healthcare professionals on the front lines of the pandemic. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's COVID-19 Update video and podcast. Today, we have our weekly look at the numbers, trends, and latest news about COVID-19 with the AMA's Director of Science, Medicine, and Public Health, Andrea Garcia in Chicago. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer, also in Chicago. Andrea, thanks so much for joining us this week. The big news uh, is that the FDA's Vaccine Advisory Committee is meeting as we speak to talk about EUAs for Moderna's and Pfizer's vaccines for the youngest age group. What's the latest there? Well, thank you for having me back, Todd. And, and that's right, VRPAC, FDA's advisory committee, has been meeting today. Uh, they, the FDA had provided the clinical trial data from both Pfizer and Moderna to the, to the committee. That data showed that the vaccines met the criteria for safety and effectiveness in the age groups. Uh, that was 230 pages of documents for those outside advisors to review. And as of the time of this filming, the advisory committee had just unanimously voted um, that the benefits of both the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccines in their respective populations outweighed the risks. And so the FDA could grant those EUAs for Pfizer and Moderna and those youngest kids as early as Friday. Then, of course, we know that next step is the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, CDC's Advisory Committee, We'll be meeting on Friday and Saturday. Uh, they'll be issuing their own clinical recommendations, and that would mean that children could start getting vaccinated, assuming the CDC director signs off as early as next week. Well, Andrea, that's uh, certainly great news for parents who've been waiting for quite a while. Um, but even with those potential authorizations, uh, some questions still remain. Why don't you take us through what those might be? Yeah, well, essentially, we're trying to predict the future because neither of those vaccines have been tested against the subvariants that are now common across the U.S. Those clinical trials were largely conducted when the Omicron variant was prevalent, and that was before the emergence of the subvariants we're seeing now. We know that B4 and B5 could be dominant here in the U.S. within a month, and given the waning protection that we have seen in adults and, of course, the rapid evolution of the virus, Regulators have said that pediatric recipients of both Pfizer and Moderna vaccines will most likely require a booster. And since Pfizer's vaccine is already three doses, Moderna's is two, that would mean a potential four-dose course for Pfizer and three doses for Moderna. Well, uh, speaking of predicting the future, Moderna's also been working on a booster dose that would uh, specifically target variants. Uh, Where does that stand right now? Last Wednesday, Moderna uh, released preliminary results on an updated COVID booster that targets the Omicron variant. They're calling it their leading candidate to serve as a U.S. booster dose in the fall. Their research tested a booster dose that combined the original vaccine with one that specifically targets Omicron. They found that among those uh, with no evidence of prior infection, that the combination produced a 1.75 time uh, level of neutralizing antibodies against Omicron as their existing vaccine did alone. That's pretty significant. But the, um, while the results are encouraging, many worry that, the, like as we just talked about, the virus is evolving so quickly that it's going to outpace our ability to modify our vaccines. 
Moderna did not release any data on how the updated vaccine works against the B4 or B5 subvariants. The company has said that researchers are still trying to gather data on those and other subvariants. When do you think we'll have more news uh, about boosters for the fall? FDA's Vaccine Advisory Committee is going to meet to discuss that on June 28th. They're going to be looking at the formulation that would work best for a fall booster. Uh, the timing is tight. Va vaccine manufacturers have said that they need to get started on production soon in order to have the number of boosters we'll need ready in time for the fall. Given this, we know that FDA may need to make its final decision based largely on lab results and animal data as opposed to large human clinical trials. Even in the face of these obstacles, Moderna's leadership is touting its latest formulation as a fundamental turning point in our fight against the virus and proof that we can adapt to a variant. Well, in addition to the news about the younger age group, uh, Moderna also got some good news from the FDA's Vaccine Advisory Committee about its vaccine for older children. What's happening there? Yeah, earlier this week, that same committee voted unanimously to recommend Moderna's COVID vaccine for use in children ages six to 17. It's extremely likely that FDA will follow that panel's advice and grant the EUA in the upcoming days. We know up until now, Moderna's vaccine was limited to authorization for adults. Um, with that being said, this authorization is likely not going to have an immediate impact because we know this age group already has access to the Pfizer vaccine. They've had access to the vaccine since last year. And because of this, FDA and CDC are expected to prioritize decisions on vaccines for those younger children in the under five age group. We know they still do not have an option available to them. Um, so that's where we're likely to see the, those decisions first. But the vaccination for you know, this age group does continue to be important, correct? Absolutely. As of last month, CDC data showed that 189 children in that 5 to 11 age group and 433 adolescents and teenagers had died of COVID. We know the Omicron surge we saw over last winter led to the highest number of pediatric COVID cases, emergency department visits, and hospitalization rates of the pandemic. And roughly two-thirds of children in that uh, 6 to 17 age group who were hospitalized with COVID had underlying conditions, so vaccination is especially important for those children. Medicine doesn't stand still, and at the AMA, neither do we. AMA members are physicians like you who are shaping the future of medicine. Become a member today and join the movement. Visit ama-assn.org slash movingmedicine. Well, in more vaccine news, uh, shortly after we wrapped filming last week, uh, news also broke about a potentially new vaccine option for adults. Where do we stand with that? Yeah, so when we were talking last week, advisors to the FDA were meeting to discuss the safety and efficacy of a COVID vaccine developed by Novavax, and that's a more traditional protein-based technology the end result was that the committee overwhelmingly recommended that it receive emergency use authorization for people ages 18 and over. Those 21 members voted in favor and there was one abstention. 
So far, we have not seen the FDA issue that EUA, and while they're not obligated to follow their committee's recommendation, they normally do. Any insight as to what the holdup might be? Well, last Wednesday, a spokesperson for the FDA said the agency needs to review changes in Novavax's manufacturing process before they can authorize the vaccine in the U.S. We don't have a lot of detail on that other than Novavax has disclosed uh, in early June that it had made changes to their manufacturing process. We know that outside of the U.S., Novavax has already received emergency use authorization in more than 40 countries, and it's listed for emergency use by the WHO. All right. Well, we'll continue to follow that because, as we talked about last week, it could be a good alternative for people who are uh, concerned about, for whatever reason, about allergic uh, uh, reactions to mRNA platform vaccines uh, or other reasons. Uh, How are we looking on cases this week? Well, the good news is, is that we're starting to see some leveling off. And if you look at the New York Times database, we're just about 105,000 new reported COVID cases a day on average. That rate has more or less held steady over the last month. There are also signs of steadying in hospitalization. Uh, That number is growing, but it's growing slowly. And the average number is hovering around 29,000. Uh, deaths are also, um, they're increasing. They've increased about 8% over the last two weeks, but that number is staying below uh, 400 per day. And with those key indicators, as you know, we're in surge, but they're far below the Omicron, Omicron winter peak. Uh, so we are starting to he- see some of those long-standing public health orders be- being lifted. Well, speaking of which, uh, one of the most significant that we saw last week was Uh, uh, the order regarding international travel uh, and testing. Uh, Besides complete pandemonium, apparently, in all European airports from uh, surge in demand, uh, what does that mean exactly? As of last Sunday, passengers no longer need to provide that negative test to enter the U.S., and CDC announced it was lifting that requirement Um, And the reason is that widespread adoption of vaccines and treatment for COVID no longer make it necessary. Uh, In a press release, Dr. Wyshawolinski, the CDC director, cited booster doses and the milder Omicron variant, which she said has generally caused less severe disease among those who are infected. And that's the driving factor for that change. Well, we know the mask mandate for travel had already been lifted some time ago. Um, but that was done through the courts and went against a mandate the CD had, uh, CDC had in place at the time. Uh, the AMA has subsequently uh, and recently weighed in on this. Give us the background on this and where we stand on this issue. Last week, we issued a press release defending the CDC's authority to enact reasonable evidence-based public health measures like masking that curb the spread of illness and protect those at highest risk from serious harm. An AMA amicus brief was filed in Health Freedom Defense Fund versus Biden. That brief urged the U.S. Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit to reverse a district court's order, striking down the CDC's public transportation mask mandate on a nationwide basis. That press release explained that the CDC's core mission of protecting the public from serious illness, injury, and death requires public health officials to have the ability to exercise reasonable judgment in the face of evolving conditions and the authority to enact evidence-based measures when necessary. 
So the AMA is urging the court to acknowledge the, the CDC's authority and to enact measures to protect the public's health. And we also went on to recognize that health authorities have the uh, expertise to make these determinations to promote public health in rapidly evolving circumstances. And preserving that authority will continue to be so important as we navigate new variants and even outbreaks of other diseases down the road. Uh, Andrea, thanks again for being here today. That wraps up today's episode. We'll be back soon with another COVID-19 update video and podcast. In the meantime, you can find all our videos and podcasts at ama-assn.org slash podcast. Thanks for joining us. Please take care. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.